Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be reading Chapter 3 of As It Is Translated Correctly, pages 20 through 41. The title of the chapter is Translating and Revising Scripture. We'll get right into the program after we dedicate it. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank thee this day for Jesus Christ and for all that he's done for us. We thank thee, Father, for your inspired servants who have done the work that you've asked them to do. We thank thee, Father, for Ogden Kraut, for taking the time out of his life to write these books. I believe that he was inspired by you to do these things. I remember son Kevin talking about how he was on his way south on Highway 189 headed to Manti when he felt inspired to write 95 Thesis and how he went into a hotel room for one or two days and he just wrote all that came to his mind and finished a book so quickly. A book that was about 200 pages long. Thank you for inspiring him to write these books. That we might have a compilation of books to to learn from these topics of the restored gospel and of the restoration. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for all of our many blessings. And we ask thee to bless us as we take the time out of our day to learn these things about translating and revising scriptures and the history of it. We say these things, Father, and thank thee for our many blessings. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Translating and Revising Scripture, Chapter 3 of As As It Is Translated Correctly, pages 20 through 41. Too often, overzealous and misinformed preachers of of today profess to have a Bible without error. However, any honest Christian scholar will admit mistakes and inaccuracies in all Bible translations. Perhaps the erudite scholars of Bible history said it best when they declared, quote, the need for New Testament textual criticism results from a combination of three factors. Number one, the originals, probably written on papyrus scrolls, have all perished. Number two, for over 1,400 years, 
the New Testament was copied by hand, and the copyists or the scribes made every conceivable error, as well as at times intentionally altering, probably with the idea of correcting the text. Such errors and alterations survived in various ways, with a basic tendency to accumulate Scribes seldom left anything out, lest they omit something inspired. Number three, there are now extant, in whole or in part, 5,333 Greek MSS, as well as hundreds of copies of ancient translations not counting over 8,000 copies of the Latin Vulgate, plus the evidence from the citations of the New Testament in the writings of the early church fathers. Moreover, no two MSS, I wish they would just say what MSS means, I don't know what MSS means, anywhere, manuscripts, I guess, anywhere in a, existence are exactly alike so there's no two manuscripts anywhere in existence that are exactly alike and quote biblical criticism by Harris Walked Gunthry and Fee page 128 this is not the overwhelming evidence as to the accuracy or the harmony of the Bible which our modern divines proclaim, but rather the understanding of scholarly and qualified textual critics. The translators themselves are responsible for most of the errors in the Bible. So we must look to where and how they came about. This is a definite need. I'm sorry, there is a definite need for textual criticism and for the exposure of errors they find <clears throat> page 21 at 5% the principal errors in translation can be classified into three main categories number one changes in words numbers and dates number two inconsistencies within its history Number three, contradictions in its teachings, summarized in this chapter, are 41 of the main problems encountered in making a correct translation of the Bible from ancient manuscripts. Number one, language transmission. To begin with, the translation of any ancient language into another cannot be absolutely accurate regardless of how well versed the scribes may be. Scholars all agree that even certain features of Greek syntax and vocabulary are difficult or impossible to convey in translation, which is the language of the New Testament. Number two, word, tra word transmission. Anyone familiar with foreign languages knows that many words in a language cannot be directly changed into words of another language with the exact same meaning. 
every language has its own word peculiarities which which are often very difficult if not impossible to change into another language number three homonym errors in every language there are words that sound alike but mean different things some examples in english are words such as beat or beat one is spelled with a B-E-A-T and the other one spelled with a B-E-E-T. Or a person could saw, S-A-W, a log, or he could, or he saw, S-A-W, a prayed. Whole, H-O-L-E, is written for whole, W-H-O-L-E. It, it's for it's, to... <laughs> To get a board or to be bored, often the word way is written for way, W-A-Y or W-E-I-G-H, and two, two, and two <laughs> are mistakenly used interchangeably because of the similarity of sound. These and similar homonyms have been frequently found in the Bible translations. Page 22 at 9%. Number four, haplography errors. This means writing once what should have been written twice. This has occurred in the Bible with letters, words, and portions of sentences. The didiograph errors. This is a common transcriptual error writing twice what should have been written only once this error has been noted in ezekiel isaiah psalms and other early manuscripts but many later translators have corrected the error when writing it in english number six metathesis this is the inadvent inadvertent exchange of the proper order of letters or words and it can significantly change meanings in isaiah 32:19, it originally read the forest will fall instead it was incorrectly translated the city is leveled in ezekiel 42:16, the original number was obviously wrong and had to be corrected by the translators 500 rather than five cubits number seven fusion this is combining the last letter of the first word with the first letter of the following word in hebrew this can be a and has been a serious error number eight fission this is the improper separation of one word into two words this has been found in verses such as isaiah 61 1 with the last word in isaiah uh, 20 uh, verse i'm sorry 2 isaiah 2 verse 20 and also in other places or on page 23 at 13 percent nine misreading handwriting in nearly all languages, there are several letters which are similar in appearance and are easily mistaken. 
anciently this was a problem because of poor writing materials and the variations of handwriting. Age of the manuscript would mar or obliterate important letters or words, making it difficult to know what was written. Misreading the handwriting and copying even the same language is easily done. In the Hebrew writing, this is a particularly common problem. Number 10. Homo eo taliutan. I hope you got that. <laughs> um, this Greek word means having the same ending. Sometimes the loss of text can result when the eye of the copyist passes over the words preceding the final phrase, which may be identical with one which closes the sentence preceding it or following after it. These have been found in Isaiah, Psalms, and elsewhere. Number 11. Homo e oa arctan. This this means that which has a similar ending. This too involves losses or intervening words as the eye of the scribe jumps from one beginning to another. This off this is often a situation which has caused the loss of substantial numbers of words in this translation in the translation number 12 omission of words this is an occasional loss of a word because it was accidentally missed or because it was unreadable and purposely left blank such as example Such an example was 1 Samuel 13.1, which in the MSS said Saul was blank years old when he began to reign. This was filled in by scholars who used clues and calculations to provide the omitted information, whether correct or incorrect. In some instances, this was impossible to do accurately. 24. 13, or we're on page 24 at 17%. Point 13, dead language words. Some Hebrew words are not known in today's language, even to the Jewish scholars. For instance, the create, the creature mentioned in Deuteronomy 14, verses 5 and 6, the disease, diseases in Deuteronomy 28, 4, uh, in Deuteronomy or Devarim, 28, verse 22, or the names of the stones in Exodus 28, all are part... Excuse me. All are part of a lost or a dead language. It's actually like 4 in the morning here. Oh, no, it's 5. No. I was supposed to get up in an hour, um, but I kept on having these weird dreams and I kept waking up. I'm actually going to work today, so, and every time I've tried to 
have time in the morning to record. Like, for some reason, my four-year-old comes upstairs and is like, Hey, Dad, what you doing? <laughs> so I'm like, uh... So I'm trying to record now before I go to work for my four-day shift. My four-day tour of duty. <laughs> anyway, so I kind of... Excuse me, yawning, because I only got like four hours of sleep. Maybe five. I have insomnia. I can... Well, anyway, I don't know. Well, maybe I don't. Anyway, tangents, it doesn't matter. Point 14, absence of vowels. The vowels and accents of Hebrew were not in the language of the Bible. Thus, it is easy to understand how our word could have been interpreted differently. For example, in English, B-R-N might read barn, born, burn, briny, barony, etc., and if there are no vowel marks to indicate the sound, we should have we should have to be taught, like the Jews, which word the writers intended. Here, for example, are two Hebrew words in Deuteronomy, B-Z-R and P-S-G-H, which in our Hebrew Bible reads Bezer or, and Pisgah but which the Septuagint translators render Bozar and Pascha, and quote, Old Testament and New Bible by R. Ritzenhauser, page uh, 7 and 8. Real quick, I'll just add my own thoughts into this or something that I've learned. So there, I think it's in Ezekiel, there's a, uh, there's a translation of a word and they don't have the vowel markings because they didn't invent the vowel markings until, until after the, dis, uh, dis, uh, what do they call it? After they were dispersed from Jerusalem in 70 AD, um, the Nazarites, I think it was the Nazarites, anyway, they, they invented a vowel marking system because... Before that point, if you wanted to understand what a word was in the Bible, um, it was an oral tradition. They would, you would read the scripture, and you would be told what different words meant. So, um, excuse me, you might have the same consonants um, in many different words, but one word would mean one thing and one word would mean another according to whatever the the oral tradition was. Now, when they went out into the world in the diaspora, after the, you know, they were all kicked out of of Jerusalem um, after the war in 70... I think it was 130, Antiochus, no, anyway, um, they needed to, you know, since they were all spread out, they needed to come up with this vowel system. Excuse me. So, um, so that's what they did, but 
Um, there's like, it's in Ezekiel or Jeremiah. It talks about this, this cylinder that's so many cubits long, and it it carries an evil woman in it. <laughs> In this clay pot surrounded by lead. And um, and that's how it was translated for many years. And then they realized that the the word ish and isha, um, one meaning fire and the other meaning woman. Um, well, when, when nuclear missiles came, became a thing... Um, they think that Isaiah, or not Isaiah, Ezekiel, or Jeremiah, I think it was Ezekiel, that he was seeing a missile. It's got the same um, specs as a, as a Scud missile, you know, and um, it talks about this, this evil scroll flying through the air and destroying cities with this evil fire that is, uh, or a woman, because that's the way it a lot of people would be like, oh, that evil woman, I wonder what that's all about. But um, the consonants are the same for woman and fire, so it turns out it's an evil fire that destroys the city. It's not an evil woman. <laughs> so, um, but this is just one of one of many um, instances of this type of thing. So anyway, let's get back into the reading. Vowels were not even used until about the 7th or 8th century. See, and that was after after the Diaspora. Syriac and Arabic writings had a similar delay for vowels in their writings. Many Bible difficulties result from a minor error on the part of the copyist in the transmission of the text. In the Old Testament, such transmissional errors may have resulted from a poor reading of the vowels. Hebrew was originally copied in consonants only, and the vowel signs were not added until a thousand years after the completion of the Old Testament canon. But there are also some consonants that are easily confused because they look so much alike. Besides that, some words are preserved in a very old spelling, suitable, susceptible of misunderstanding by later Hebrew copyists. And uh, we're on page 25 at 22%. And that was a quote from Bible Difficulties by Gleason L. Archer, page 16. Point 15, Continuous Letters. Another cause of error in translating ancient text was the dividing of words that had been written and that had been originally all run together in a continuous line. For example, wow, I'm, uh, so basically they're just using an example here of come see a man when which told me all things that ever I did but they all are like no spaces so that's the example uh, for those of you who are listening but um 
and this is something that's a big deal in Hebrew, like they just run all the words together and you're like, okay, well, if you separate these letters, this means one word, but if you separate these letters, you know, this means a different word, so which is it? And just try to, you know, make sense of what you're translating or what you're, like, trying to to read there, so... Number one, Eisenhower gives a simple explanation of this particular method of mistranslation. Again, in ancient manuscripts, there is often no division between words, each line presenting a continuous row of letters. It might easily happen that one word would be wrongly divided into two or two combined into one as in the old story of the infidel who wrote over his bed, God is nowhere, which was read by his little boy as God is now here. Oh, that's interesting. So, <laughs> God is nowhere and God is now here. I'll use the same letters, but they have different spaces. Anyway, that's uh, from the Old Testament document. And New Testament Bible, pages 20 and 21. Number 16, language variants. Aramaic is a kindred language to Hebrew, and about 5000 BC, it became the spoken language of the common man around Palestine. Since Aramaic was spoken by most Jews several centuries before, Christ, it explains why some Old Testament portions were found written in Aramaic language. Even the appearance of the Aramaic and the Hebrew letters are almost identical, and yet some are two different languages. The the Aramaic language was used for many centuries and was the written and spoken language of Christ and his disciples. However, although Aramaic was spoken by Christ, the books of the New Testament were usually written in Greek, and I have a problem with that. They weren't written in Greek. They were written in Hebrew. I don't care what people say. I know that there are Hebrew manuscripts that the Vatican is hiding um, or has been hiding for centuries because uh, some of them have come out. So, uh, the Hebrew Matthew, the Hebrew... Uh, Mark, it wouldn't surprise me that the letters were in Greek because Paul was writing to different places that were probably Greek-speaking. But um, the Jews may have spoke Aramaic during the time of Christ, but they also wrote and spoke Hebrew as well um, in their religious observances. So it's kind of like the Catholics speaking Latin but then they'll speak the, the common language of man. Like, you know, in America, they'll speak English, but um, but they have the Latin Mass, right? So, anyway, let's see here. As the writers wanted to translate into a more commonly used language... Let me just read this. Although Aramaic was spoken by Christ, the books of the New Testament were usually written in Greek as the writers wanted to translate 
into a more commonly used language. And we're on page 26 at 26%. In the first century, Greek was the universal language, just as English today is fairly universal around the world. Since the Bible was mostly written in these three languages, we have three variants of expression and interpretation. Number 17, word meanings. If all of the Greek, Latin, Hebrew, and Syriac texts had been translated from one single text, there would still remain a possible or possible variations due to the choice of words in translating. Every scribe has his own style and vocabulary and types of descriptions and expressions. Each translator tries to express the original meaning, which he thinks is intended by the person who wrote the text. Hence, many scribes differed in their interpretation of the original text text language, even though they were translating the very same words, each had a slightly different understanding of the original meaning of the words written by the author. Consider how confused a foreigner must be when he reads in a daily American newspaper, the prospector made a strike yesterday in the mountains. The union went on strike this morning. Strike up the star-spangled banner. The fisherman got a good strike in the middle of the lake. Presumably, each of these completely different uses of the same word go back to the same parent and have the same etymology. But complete confusion may result from misunderstanding how the speaker meant the word to be used. Bear in mind that the inerrancy involves acceptance and belief in whatever the Bible authors meant by the words he used. If he meant what he said in a literal way, it is wrong to take it figuratively. But if he meant what he said in a figurative way, it is wrong to take it literally. And we're on page 27 at 31%. So we must engage in careful exegesis in order to find out what he meant in the light of contemporary conditions and usage. And that comes from Bible Difficulties by Gleason L. Archer, page 16. Now topic 18, limited education. Each translator has a different form and level of education, thereby limiting his translating ability. Words take on meanings that were learned through various types of schooling. Just as the great variety of English Bibles reflect the philosophies and abilities of the translators, so also the variants in the ancient MSS reflect the philosophies and abilities of the scribes who produced them and quote biblical criticism by Harrison page 48 I'm gonna check this MSS what the heck does that mean and it doesn't even say define okay or wait oh it does have a define 
seriously. <sighs> Trying to get the definition here. An abbreviation for manuscript. That's what I thought. I'm like, manuscript? What does the SS stand for? Okay, so MSS means manuscript. So that's good to know. I'm glad I have this uh, reader program that I can find the definition of different words. <sighs> I should um, I should read more definitions of words because I know there's probably many of you out there that know what the different words mean, like exegesis or whatever. But there's a lot of you who probably don't. But, you know, if like when I'm listening to podcasts, if I come across a word that I'm like, what is he saying or using that word for? I'll look it up, you know. So that's why or that, that increases your vocabulary and your understanding of words. So that's what I like to do, especially when I hear some of these word highfalutin words. Anyway, all right, so so also the variants in the ancient manuscript reflect the philosophies and abilities of scribes who produced them, and that's from Biblical Criticism by Harrison, page 48. This created variations in meanings among the Catholics, Protestants, Jews, agnostics, and anti- Antagonists, antagonists, antagonists. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we got that straight. Number uh, number 19, marginal, marginal corrections. Parchment was expensive and very scarce, so inscribes used this medium. <clears throat> So when scribes used this medium for writing, the lines were very close together. If a correction had to be made, it was usually made in the margins. However, they often made their own comment in the margins as, well, thus it later became difficult to distinguish a personal comment from the correction. Dr. Roberts says mere glosses, doxologies, and liturgical formalities written on the, in the margins of the manuscripts were sometimes inadvertently introduced by transcribers into the text. Thus, an unwarranted explanation has been admitted at John 5, 3, and 4, the omission of which in the revised version on good grounds of evidence relieves the passage of an obvious difficulty and we're on page 28 at 36%. The doxology of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6:13, which seems to have been quite unknown to the early fathers of the church, probably crept into the text from the margin in like manner companion and that's end quote companion to the revised version of the new or the English New Testament pages seven and eight. Number twenty meaning differences by classes. Some of the Greek words of the New Testament p- 
period have uncertain meanings, the reason being that languages change and assume new meanings. There are also different language meanings by various classes of people living at the same time as explained by Professor Goodspeed. The New Testament was written not in classical Greek nor in the biblical Greek of the Greek version of the Old Testament, nor even in the literary Greek of its own day, but in the common language of everyday life. The writers of the New Testament had, for the most part, little use for literary art. End quote, preface to the Goodspeed New Testament Bible. Page, or topic 21, Misinterpreting Definitions. The Greek Testament contains nearly 900 words which are not found in the classical Greek. This represents about one-sixth of the vocabulary without definition. To illustrate in modern English, a newspaper may report that a group of people were gay, which could be interpreted either to mean they were happy or they were sexually perverted. Because you used to say gay, and that would, that was, if you're gay, that meant that you were happy. Uh, And then the homosexuals took that word and they made it so that gay meant homosexual. Anyway, depending on the translator's understanding, the writers of the New Testament wrote in the common language of their day, which is not easily interpreted in our to our understanding. So we're on page 29 at 40%. I'm going to take a little break for a minute. Point 22, language changes. Language changes also occur as copyists were were made of, our copies were made of copies. It is not always easy to determine the original meaning of the text, which is derived from one or more translations, the original of which had had been copied an unknown number of times in a language that had passed through many changes, and quote the inspired version by A.B. Phillips, page 6. Topic 23, Language Difficulties. Hebrew was a written language for almost 39 books of the Old Testament, but the Hebrew language had many disadvantages for English translators. It has a vocabulary unrelated to English words. It is also written backwards from right to left and has many sounds that are foreign to English forms and sounds. And of course, the Hebrew alphabet is confusing to the eyes of of its English readers because so many letters look alike. Number 24, Missing Texts. The two oldest and most valuable manuscripts of the Bible are the Vatican and the Sinai manuscripts, both written in Greek. They are believed to have been written in the 4th century. These documents are the principal source 
from which our Bible is taken. However, the Sinaitis manuscripts does not contain the doxology of Matthew 6, 13, Mark 16, 9 through 20, John 7, 53, to John 8, 11, nor Ephesians 1, 1. These texts are also missing in the Vatican manuscripts. This might mean they should not even be included in the Bible. The Vatican manuscripts does not contain 1 and 2 uh, Timothy, or 1st to 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, or Revelations, nor the book of Hebrews. This is another problem of major portions of the translate for ma- of major problems for translators. And we're on page 30 at 45% and topic 25, inferior texts. It must be noted that the four most valuable manuscripts, the Vatican, the Sinaitic and the Alexandrian and the Afrim were not even available in their original form to the King James translators. Hence, the basis for that Bible was translated from more inferior texts. Topic 26, obsolete and seldom used words. The King James Version contains many archaic words which are either obscure or misleading, meaning so words change over time. Meanings of words change over time. Anyway, some of the words are obsolete, others are unintelligible, but are cumbersome and distracting. For instance, howbeit, or holden, or aforetime, thee, thou, and thine, are not commonly used today, but are understood. Other words used to have a different meaning today than they did when first printed in the 17th century. Algae, uh, allege, I think, was used to prove, suffer, for, allow, let, or hinder, and conversation for conduct, etc. <laughs> Real quick. They were just talking about the language of the Bible. So, after my mission, I started over-the-road truck driving. And because um, I got really sick on my mission, and I was really sick for a very long time, um, they eventually sent me home uh, to get better. And I didn't get better in the time that my mother allotted me to be home. Um, See, I don't even talk to my mom anymore, and that's a completely different topic. Um, But my mom was not great. And um, I was homeless when I was 16. Um, She had made a habit of sending me to live with other people starting at the age of two and I was the oldest and um it was like a habit of hers anytime things got difficult for her she would send me away to live with somebody else and I just wanted to be with my mom you know and um she sent me away 
in 10th grade. Um, and like, I was trying to stay home. I didn't want to get kicked out again. So I was doing every activity I could just to stay out of the house, but like come home at night. And, but like I was in Star Trek club, I was in the ROTC. I was uh, on the swim team. I volunteered at the library. Um, I did a ton of stuff at high school. And one day she decides, oh, you're going to go live with your aunt and uncle up in Soda Springs, Idaho. And like there was this big swim meet that day. And I remember having to go. I, I like begged her on the way to the highway from our house to let me stop at the swim meet so I could go tell my coach and my assistant coach and everybody bye. And I wasn't really able to tell everybody bye because everybody was so busy doing everything. But at least I got to tell my coach and the assistant coach. So I was uprooted completely uh, for no reason that I know of. I don't understand why she decided to just kick me out again. And um, so I went to live with my aunt and uncle. And then a month before 10th grade ended, instead of letting me finish 10th grade, they decided that I needed to get a job before everybody got out of school. So um, they rented this little single-wide trailer in Kaysville, Utah. And my uncle stayed up in Soda Springs, Idaho. And um, I got a job. And um, I got a motorcycle to get around. And then about a month after we got there... Um, my aunt came to my work and she she says hey uh, can I talk to you and here's the keys to the house I'm gonna go and see my husband and I'll be back in a couple of days and she left and I finished work that day at the burger stop in Leighton, Utah, in Gentile. And I got home, and all their stuff was gone. Except for my stuff. And on the counter was a note that said something to the effect of, You're not my responsibility, and you're on your own. And I was like, what the heck? I called my mom. And my mom said that her boyfriend, whom I had never met, who later became her husband, that he didn't like me and I wasn't welcome in the house. And, um... That's just the way the family was. Like, that's just the way she was. She was very, and is still alive, and a very selfish, disgusting woman. I I cannot stand her. There was a lot of abuse, um, physically, mentally, and sexually, um, at her hands. 
and um, I can't even, I don't even understand how a person could be as disgusting as she is. And I wanted her to just be a mom to me for a long time, and I overlooked a lot of things up until um, my wife was in the hospital for like a month. We had a um, a one-year-old, and my my oldest son at the time was 16, and then we had um, our third. Uh, was she 16 or 15? Anyway, my daughter, my like they were all too young to be by themselves all the time. I was working 70 hours a week, and uh, my wife was in the hospital for like a month and a half or something like that on bed rest because they were trying to save my daughter, Emma. Um, they were not able to save my daughter, Emma, and... My wife was having serious um, traumatic issues at the time, and um, and I needed to be able to be with her. She was in Orem. We live in Emory County, which is 150 miles away or something like that, and it was just a really bad time for us. My mom lives... 45 miles away from where we live. When my grandparents died, she got a big old inheritance. She doesn't need to work. She has a house. Um, She has everything that she needs. And she wouldn't left a finger to help us. My wife's family, they all live back in New Hampshire, New York, and and, uh, North Carolina. And they were willing to fly out to help us, but my own family, they weren't willing to help us at all. So this kind of gives you an idea of what kind of person or what kind of people my family are. Um, But so going back to my mission, so I got really sick. I was sick the whole time I was on a mission. Um, I was in three, no, two threesomes, like where I was the third person with uh, missionaries, um, zone leaders or whatnot. And they put, the mission president put them, put me with them because of how sick I was. And I was still trying to get around and do things and do my best to be my, uh, to be a missionary, but it was very difficult for me uh, mentally and physically. And they finally sent me home, and the only place I had to go was to my mom's house because she lived in Taylorsville, and there were doctors there, and they were trying to get me better and find out what was wrong with me. Um, And my mom told me, you have 30 days to get back on the mission or I'm kicking you off the property. Now, see, I didn't get to go in her house. She had a travel trailer and she made me stay in the driveway of the travel trailer. And I was allowed to come in the house to go to the bathroom and to shower. 
And that's it. And because I was, I, I was not released by all four of my doctors, I was not able to go back on the mission in the time that they allotted. So I had to be released from my mission um, by my state president uh, for medical reasons. And that I felt so guilty. Because I told God if he would... If he would show me the truth and he would heal me, I'd serve him for the rest of my life. And this was like one of my commitments. I would serve him. And I thought being a missionary would be part of that. And so... Instead of just resuming normal activities after my mission, I became, like, just an amplified version of my missionary self, where I studied like mad all the time. I read, because I wanted to be able to show myself approved, to, uh, to know the scriptures so that I could contend for the faith and uh, the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because of these these words in this biblical language I would listen to the scriptures so much that I actually started speaking the words of scriptures as an everyday language and I wouldn't mean to do it. I'd like catch myself doing it. People would be like, uh, what? <laughs> Why are you weird? <laughs> um, but I would, uh, back then it was tapes, right? So, and CDs. But I, I had my tapes and I would put one tape of scripture on. And I had all the scriptures, all of them. And I would listen to the same thing, same tape over and over and over again, and just try to think about all of, all of what I was hearing. And sometimes, I would have like classical music or light jazz or something in the background as as I was listening to it. But it was a constant listening of scriptures to the point where, as a truck driver. Because I was a truck driver after my mission. Listening to scripture. Like, though, like unless I was talking to somebody at the fuel desk. Or I was talking to somebody at the shipper or the receiver or a mechanic or something. Like, if I, unless I was actively going out and talking to people. Which did happen a lot, but like... When you're on a load, you know, you need to hurry up and get there. You don't have time to be messing around. And um, I would spend 99% of my time alone by myself. There was times for months when I didn't ever physically touch anyone. Just in complete isolation, looking at people driving around me on the road, getting to my destination, giving them my bills of lading, um... And then, like, waiting in the truck for whatever, you know, for the loading or unloading process. And, uh, 
when they had time off, I'd go do missionary work. But for the most part, I was just stuck in my truck all the time. And back then, we could drive 10 hours, and then we got eight hours off. And we didn't have, like, these limits on our time like we do now as far as, like, you can you can only work from four, uh, 14 hours a day. So back then, if I was tired, I could stop, and it wouldn't affect my... Uh, you know, my 10 hours of driving time, like, if I stopped for an hour, I could still drive, you know, and do whatever I needed to do, and now it's like, oh, you gotta get all this done in 14 hours, or you can't do anything, you know, anyway, but the point of it all is, I would read so much, and I would listen to so much, like, King James Bible stuff, and, uh, you know, other scriptures that are in the King James vernacular and I got very very well versed with uh, scripture by doing that for all of those years anyway that was a really long tangent probably way longer than it needed to be but anyway um, topic 27 different names Sometimes names are different, but meant only one person, Jeremiah, was also called Jeremias. In Matthew 16:14 and Jeremy in Matt, Matthew 27:9, at first glance one might suppose that they are all different Old Testament prophets. Thus they are there are many interchangeable names and words that are not properly written for our use and understanding. Topic 28, Translator Bias. Another problem has been the bias of translators. The Vatican manuscript obviously was used as the basis of the Bible used by the Catholic Church The Sinai Manuscripts is the basis for the Protestant Bible. In earlier years, there was a broad difference in the two translations, but more recently, they are closer in comparison to each other. However, there are still many notable differences, thus showing either the inability or bias of translators to convey a correct interpretation of the original depending on their own religious beliefs and we're on page 31 at 50 percent the catholic and protestant versions concur in most points of importance if they took their original in suspicion of opposing parties and the notes showed this strongly the text and the translation were dealt with honestly Each has been repeatedly revised, and the modern editions are much nearer each other than those of the 16th century. And that comes from Roman Catholic and Protestant Bibles compared, page 51. Topic 29, Divisions and Subdivisions. The division of the Bible into chapters and verses also has a negative result in some instances. 
the various divisions and subdivisions of the sacred scripture into chapters, verses, and members of sentences are of human authority and to be regarded as such. Anciently, all the books of the sacred scripture were written in one continuous manner without a break. A chapter or a verse, the definition, I'm sorry, the division into chapters that now universally obtains in Europe derived its original uh, derived its original from Cardinal Cairo, who lived in the 12th century. The subdivision into verses is of no older date than the middle of the 16th century and was the invention of Robert Stevens. Whatever advantages these divisions may have been in the way of facilitating references, They have so dislocated and broken into pieces the connection as not only to have given the scriptures an appearance of of a book of Proverbs, but have thrown great difficulties in the way of any of them. The punctuation, too, being necessarily dependent on these divisions is far from accurate. And taken altogether, it affords a demonstration that is no more divinely, is no more divinity in the chapters, verses, commas, semicolons, colons, and periods of the inspired writings than there is on the, on the paper in which they are inscribed or in the ink by which they are depicted to our view. And that comes from Christian Baptism, Alexander Campbell, page 39. Topic 30. Incorrectable errors. Unknown and incorrectable errors can exist without having any way to correct them. There are that there are historical and chronological errors in our present Bible no intelligent and candid person will deny that some of these errors are the result of copying is probably true, but that they all so resulted and that the original autographs were absolutely free from error in the minor details is that no man on earth knows or can prove as the manuscripts are not in existence and quote Christian Evangelist Editor, Volume 29, page 802. Page 31, or topic 31, I'm sorry. Theological omissions. Omissions of doctrine, principle, or teachings has led to questioning the authenticity of certain books of the Bible. Sometimes scholars suppose that if a New Testament author has omitted some aspect of theology, he could not have held it. For example, the absence from the Pauline epistle of any idea of Christ as high priest is for them evidence that he could not have held this idea. Yet he may have had reasons for not including it in any of the 
epistles under his name in the New Testament. Arguments from silence are clearly less conclusive than contrary evidence would be. It is reasonable to assume that an author would not knowingly contradict himself and on page page 33 at 59%. I get more yawny. And at 6.01, I'm supposed to be getting up and getting ready for work, but I still have 41%. So let's get through this. Uh, Yet it cannot be assumed that the totality of his doctrinal ideas is necessarily expressed in his extant writing and quote biblical criticisms by Harrison, page 114. Topic 32, book arrangements. The arrangement of books in the Bible has created certain problems because they are not all found in chronological order. One book of prophecy, the book of Revelations or the Apocalypse, perhaps was not the last book in the New Testament to be written, but it suitably appears at the end of the Bible since it summarizes the symbolic language, the principles revealed in preceding books, at the same time gives a prophetic foretaste of things to come. And quote, How We Got the Bible by Neil Lightfoot, page 23. The writing dates of many books in the Bible are not known, yet we now know that the last book of the Bible was not the last one written. Still, most Christians believe it was the conclusion and the final inspired words from God to men. From this incorrect conclusion, the religious, the religiously They religiously believe that God was not going to send any more revelation or prophets to reveal them, as stated in Revelations 22, uh, 18, and 19. Except for there's this whole thing about these two witnesses in chapter 11 of Revelations that come down and they prophesy for three and a half years. Hmm. That just drives me insane that, like, these... Christians are so damned ignorant. They're so ignorant. They just make up their own little interpretations and their own little traditions. And like, you can't even talk to them. They're so steeped in their bias and their bigotry that that they they can't see any any other view but the one that they were taught by their biased and bigoted uh, parents and pastors. So anyway, I just, it's amazing that people can come out of that. But I've been to hundreds of Christian churches and like, wow. They used to, they just believe crap that is easily um, disputed. But if you try to dispute their, their, um, their pet theologies, like they'll burn you at the stake, which has also been a thing that people have done in, in time immemorial. So whatever. Anyway, topic thirty-three: too many manuscripts. 
There have been only two alternatives for translators. One to select one manuscript and make it the standard text, or two to consult the thousands of manuscript and authorities and make a comparative translation by reconstructing them all. Since choosing one manuscript would surely result in an incomplete failure, the Bible has been composed from the later method. This has not proved accurate, hence the many versions of the Bible today. Topic 34, and just interestingly enough, on page 34 at 64%. Anyway, this is topic 34. Inadequate texts. The publication of the King James Version of the Bible in 1611 was a milestone in Bible history. It was itself a revision from other translations and revisions. For centuries, it remained the dominant Bible for English-speaking people. However, no translation can ever be final. Translators are human beings, and there will always be room for improvements upon their work. The King James Version was made from inadequate manuscripts, This is not the fault of the translators because they did not have many of the manuscripts which we now possess. As other more ancient and correct manuscripts are found, they will tend to make new revisions of the Bible. In fact, hundreds more recent Bible translations have been published since the King James edition. See chapter 4, different Bibles and translations. So we haven't got there yet. We're in chapter 3. So anyway, um, topic 35, various are numerous variants. There are so many manuscripts and pieces of manuscript that it is difficult, if not impossible, to decide which ones are most accurate. The quantity of materials available on the Bible text, the number of textual documents, including manuscripts and versions, is so vast that it practically defies calculation. A conservative guess would be at least 20,000 of these, as we have seen some 4,500 alone are manuscripts of the New Testament. And that's how we got the Bible from Neil Lightfoot, page 120. Topic 36, printer errors. Even after the manuscript is translated and given to the printer, there are still many errors that creep into the final printing. And we're on page 35 at 68%. Yet some yet problems arise and persist in the making of books. Today, without modern printing methods, it is not unusual to see glaring mistakes in the published materials. Some of the greatest mistakes in the history of the Bible have occurred since the invention of the printing. More than 300 errors in the first edition of the King James Bible were corrected in the second edition two years later. In our own time, despite all concentrated efforts to the contrary, the Revised Standard Version of 1946 and 1952 
was not exempt from the plague of misprints. If in modern times errors somehow appear in printed copies of the Bible, it is not difficult to see how mistakes slipped unnoticed into the New Testament manuscripts long ago. All ancient books had to be produced by hand, and no human hand is so exact or eye so sharp as to preclude the possibility of error. So errors were made, errors were copied, and errors were mixed in with the pure text. And quote, how we got the Bible by Neil Lightfoot, page 46. Topic 37, incomplete texts. There have been no complete manuscripts from which the translate to translate the Bible, hence the certain manuscripts have been selected for use in publishing a complete New Testament or Bible as a whole. The number of our New Testament manuscripts is vast, about 4,500 in all. All of these, however, are not complete New Testaments. In fact, only a few contain anything like what we could be termed as complete New Testaments. And that's from How We Got the Bible by Neil Lightfoot, page 28. And we're on page 36, 72%. And topic 38, Inclusion. Other works were included in the manuscripts of the Bible and for a while were considered scripture. Thus, whole books of the Bible have been questioned later as to their validity as scripture. At one time, the Sinaitic manuscript evidently contained the complete Old Testament, but much of it had been lost before its discovery by Tissingdorf. Fortunately, the New Testament portion is intact and includes also two other non-canonical books known as the Epistles of Barnabas and the Shepherd of Hermes. These two manuscripts were not included in any standard Bible editions. And that comes from How We Got the Bible by Neil Lightfoot, page 35. Topic 39, Canonization. Or canonizing. None of the books of the Bible was ever canonized as scripture by any religious council. This raises the question of what verses, chapters, or books of the Bible are scripture or which should be considered non scripture. And if new manuscripts are found, who can determine or say with authority that they are not scripture? Throughout the years, as further study of these old manuscripts is undertaken, more questions arise concerning the validity of some Bible stories and teachings. For instance, the authenticity of the story of the adulterous woman John 7, 53 through John 8, 11, is questioned by nearly all translators as to actually being recorded by John. Why? Simply because it is not recorded in any of the earliest manuscripts. The only 
the only early manuscripts containing the story is the Codex, Codex Basal, which is known for many of its peculiar readings. Only manuscripts from the 8th century and later can tell the story, the story of the, the woman caught in adultery, and some of these manuscripts have marginal notes expressing doubt as to its validity. Some manuscripts place the story at the end of the Gospel of John, while others insert it in the Gospel of Luke, or on page 37 at 77%. The American Standard Version of the Bible encloses it in brackets, indicating doubt in the middle are in the minds of the translators as to its origins. The Revised Standard Bible puts the story in footnote in a footnote. So where did the story come from? No one really knows. Other verses in question are those found at the end of Mark's Gospel. Again, in the American Standard Version, the verses are enclosed in brackets. And the Revised Standard Version puts them in a footnote. The evidence against Mark 16, 9 through 20 is compounded because of its, abs- uh, its absence in the v- Vatican or Sinaitic manuscripts. And these two manuscripts from the 4th century are the, e- the best and oldest that are available. Furthermore, those verses are not found in the old Syriac manuscripts either. All of this lends, leads doubt, lends doubt to the authenticity of many biblical verses and parables. Topic 40. New Text Discoveries. As scholars probe deeper into the newly found manuscripts and additional historical discoveries and and more deeply analyze existing research, they discover that some records are not based upon correct or previously or, or previous assumption. For instance, scholars are generally agreed that Paul did not write Hebrews, although it cannot be maintained that it was impossible for him to have have done so because he did not elsewhere mention the high priest's name. And quote and that comes from Biblical Criticisms by Harrison, page 114. Therefore, since the authorship of Hebrews is, is questionable, can we still classify it as scripture? I don't know, maybe that's why you need to be prophets and get revelation for yourself. Stop relying upon other people to tell you how things are or whatever. Oh, it drives me nuts. Anyway, um, we're on page 38. Revelation is another book that has been subject to a variety of source theories. These range from the view that the book was originally a Jewish apocalypse modified and enlarged to present a Christian viewpoint to the idea that it, its author drew an Im- 
imagery form um, from various Jewish apocalypses. And that comes from Bible criticism, but our biblical criticism by Harrison, page 104. The book of Revelation is not included in the Vatican manuscript, therefore adding to the question of its validity. Topic 41. Loss of Original Sources The vast majority of the errors in the New Testament manuscripts occurred during the period that is also the most difficult to reconstruct. The first four Christian centuries, sorry, I'm having a hard time reading. I'm at 84%. I'm trying to get through this so that I can start getting ready for work. So, this is a long chapter. Much of the difficulty stems from the work of the earliest Christian copyists. In a time when the majority of people were illiterate and when Christianity, Christianity period periodically underwent severe persecution, there were probably few professionally trained scribes in the service of the church. Moreover, seldom were the scribes possessed by the spirit of possessed by the spirit of the scribes of latter times who worked according to the instructions the Lord instructions of the Lord given in Deuteronomy 12 32 thou shall not add to add there to nor diminish therefrom and that's actually talking from the law so like when Jesus adds to the law like he's not supposed to do that and they say that he was expanding upon the law but I think that a lot of the things that actually add to the law um, from our perspective are him correcting the later um, the later mistranslation or the, uh, the, the messing of the text. <sighs> I, that's a completely different topic, but I believe that King Josiah and his council of men, uh, high priests, actually added many vain and foolish things to the Bible that were not meant to be part of the original, uh, you know, the original Torah and the laws and all that. But Deuteronomy 12.32, it actually says you're not supposed to add to or take away from the Torah. In fact, the opposite seems to have been true in of the scribes in the in the first two centuries they introduced thousands of changes into the text to be sure the majority of their errors were unintentional and are easily discernible discernible slips of the eye ear or mind hundreds of changes in the text were however made intentionally yet we should not think of these scribes as having acted from evil motives. If they often took many liberties in copying their texts, 
Apparently they did so in most cases in an attempt to help out. They were more interested in making the message of the sacred text clear than in transmitting errorless manuscripts. Thus early scribes and sometimes later ones often smoothed out the Greek of the biblical writer by adding conjunctions, changing tenses of verbs, and changing words, word order, that also tended to clarify the the ambiguous passages by adding nouns and pronouns by substituting common synonyms for common words and sometimes even by rewriting rewriting difficult phrases. There are also some instances, and these are usually very important ones, where scribes have added, or less often subtracted, whole sentences or narratives in the interest of doctrine or completeness. End quote, Biblical Criticism by Harrison, pages 138 and 139. Had original manuscripts been available, scribes would probably not have been or not have taken so many liberties in their translations. Summary, because there are so many manuscripts that disagree, so many different Bibles, and so many errors in them all, Scholars have lost a certain confidence in any finished Bible. From the early Christian fathers to the modern intellectuals, they have voiced their extreme displeasure with the translators. For example, Augustine, who was one of the fathers of uh, ancient Christianity, had often had to attempt a justification of the many conflicting passages of the Bible. Origen wrote a large book trying to clarify many of the biblical Bible discrepancies. Excuse me, I'm almost done. (laughs) Neander, an excellent scholar, never ending, never even attempted to justify all the contradictions after noting so many. And we're on page 40 at 91%. Many of our most recent scholars of the Bible have written much concerning the glaring inconsistencies, self-contradictions, and manifest discrepancies of the Bible. The learned scholars, Moses Stewart, the learned scholar Moses Stewart said the scripture have discrepancies between different portions of them which no learning nor ingenuity can reconcile. Dr. Charles Hodge declared it would require not a volume, but volumes to discuss all the cases of alleged discrepancies. Orson Pratt referred to to Bishop Usher Usher's discouragement with all the differences in the manuscript texts. Quote, in hearing Bishop Usher profess that whereas he had 
of many years before a desirable a desire to publish the the New Testament in Greek with various lection, lections and annotations and for that purpose had used great diligence and spent much money to furnish himself with manuscripts yet in conclusion he was forced to detest or to, to desist uh, utterly I will wake up as soon as I start moving around. It's sitting down and just like reading that always makes me tired. <laughs> In fact, it's how I go to sleep at night. I like to read. He was forced to desist utterly, lest if he should in, ingenuously have noted all the several differences of reading which himself had collected, the incredible multitude of them almost in every verse should rather have made men atheistical <laughs> than satisfy them in the true reading of any particular passage and that's from Oxomo CA8 number 3 and quoting journal of discourses volume 7 page 28 uh, 28 which is the words of Orson Pratt as far back as fifteen or as sixteen fifty nine, William Kilburn wrote about the dangerous errors that had already been published in the in the Bibles. He claimed to have discovered two hundred or twenty thousand errors in six editions of the King James Version alone. See Cambridge. History of the Bible, page 363. If anyone wishes to see some of the additions that have been inserted into the Bible, just turn to any page and notice the words printed in italics. These are words and phrases that the translators have added to the original text to help clarify or try to correct it. It is reported that from the year 1611 to 1870, the number of italicized words spreads from 43 to 50, I'm sorry, from 43 to 583 in the book of Matthew alone. See the Bible in America um, by Marion Sims. Page 97. Unfortunately, we have no original manuscripts from which to obtain an absolutely correct version of the Bible. There are no early manuscripts from Asia Minor or Palestine from which the original sources would have come. The original Old Testament manuscripts were copied by hand for many generations on highly perishable papyri and animal skins in the relatively damp hostile climate of Palestine. Within only seven or I'm sorry, with only a few years, these original manuscripts were consumed to oblivion. 
As copies of copies were made by both learned and unlearned copyists, minor and major changes began to appear. Many scribes unintentionally made minor errors. Then some made intentional errors by trying to correct what they thought was an error. Variations accompanied almost every copy as corrections or interpretations began to appear. Later scholars have tried to sort and select which variations seem most likely to agree with their own understanding. (laughs) Oh, man, sorry. With their own understanding of what the original writers intended, hence another reason for so many different Bible versions in existence today. Anyway, so that's the end of that chapter, finally. Who man. Um, when we come back, we'll, we'll be on page 42, which begins chapter four, different Bibles and different translations so all right well man i'm gonna fall asleep here i gotta go take a shower it's 30 minutes past the time when i was supposed to wake up so i'm gonna be running late i still have to go and gather all the rest of my stuff and start my car it's probably freezing outside excuse me oh I did this last week, too. I couldn't sleep. And so I got up at like 3 in the morning last week. And um, and then I went to work after everything, you know. And I was able to... My shifts are 14 hours solid. A solid 14 hours. And, um, you know, from 10 a.m. to midnight Mountain Standard Time. So I was pretty tired when I got to the end of my shift, but I wasn't like yawning and falling asleep. And I think that's because I believe in vitamin caffeine. (laughs) My wife and my doctor are like, why do you drink those energy drinks? I'm like, because I don't want to crash my truck. Like, and I've been a truck driver for 28 years. I don't know what else I would ever be. So not even a, not a preacher. (laughs) Uh, far too rough and rough <sighs> to be an effective preacher, but um, I do love God, and um, my faith is, I have a knowledge that God exists, a physical eyewitness knowledge, but I don't understand him. Um, I know that he loves us all. I felt that love. But I don't know. I think over time, starting with my first wife, I mean, my first wife, who man, she broke me. Like, the person I was before I met her, and the person that I was after that 
massive earthquake, tsunami, hurricane, tornado, lightning cracking over my forehead. Like, man, that really, really screwed me up. And I've never been able to get back to where I was before. And then there's been other things in life that have uh, have upset me to the point, like, I have fasted twice for 30 days without without um, food for 30 days, and both times without water for up to three days, um, because I had my heart broken, and it wasn't because I was trying to fast. It was just I wanted to die, and I was starving myself. Uh, there's been so many messes in my life that over time have just have broken me and when my son Ezekiel um, died that really broke me and then when my daughter Emma died and then all that happened with my family I haven't seen my family in three years not one of them and I have a problem with them because they never came to visit me before. If I wanted to see them, I had to track them down. And I'm just, I got sick of it, you know. Last time I saw my sisters, I think it was four years ago when my son Arius was born. I've never been part of my family. I've always felt like an outsider, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm upset, and I'm angry at a a bunch of different stuff, and uh, I don't believe that God knows the end from the beginning anymore. There's too many things that um, I've come across, and I'm like, well... You know, so, and then just arguing with people, just debating with people, just reading all of the comments of these people who proclaim to have knowledge and and be prophets and whatnot, when I know what God has shown me, and I'm like, I, I just can't even deal with it anymore. I'm so sick and tired of it all. You know, and the fact that God told me to come to Emory County and that this would be a gathering place and nobody gathers. Uh, The people who are here are hostile when they find out what I believe. Um, I have no church. I have no churches. I have no church people. Like, I'm just in isolation, and... um, And it really affects me. And it has been affecting me for years. And I'm going to be obedient and stay where God has told me to stay. And um, eventually I know people will gather. um, But I'm I'm tired of it. And, like, I've gotten to the point where, like, I don't care anymore. Like, I'm going to read this stuff because God told me to. um, Specifically. But, like... I don't care about so many things I cared about before because um, 
I'm just burned out and I'm tired and I just, I'm like, whatever, I'm going to live my life and I don't even really want to be alive other than the fact that I love my kids and my wife. They're the only thing keeping me here. I would be very sad if I had cancer or something and I, I had to go beyond the veil just because I love them so much. And everything I do is for them. Uh, not everything, but... I mean, I work as hard as I do for them. And... Um, I'm just tired. And I wish I was dead. Um, just the pain that I'm in. You know, working for four days, I'm in pain most of that time. And then most of the time off, I am in pain and I'm tired because my body is trying to recover. And I'm glad to have the four days off because I really need it. You know, yeah, dub. And I have words of comfort that people, like, send me in Messenger and stuff. And I really... I thank you guys for listening to this stuff and for your praise and your um, motivation. Um, But like I, I sit here on my days off and I just wish that I could die. You know, I told my wife last night that um, we had a friend over who was um, is from Salt Lake. And he asked what I wanted for Christmas. And I, I told him, um, you know that, that vial of poison that Juliet drank so that she could sleep for like a week? And sleep so deeply that it was as if she was dead, that she wasn't really dead? I want that. <laughs> I just want that I hate being as tired as I got I hate being as in the pain that I'm in all the time I actually am kind of happy at work even though I'm in pain at work too I I really like the goals like okay so I gotta get to this location and I got to be as quick as I can and I got to load but correctly you know do everything correctly and I got to do everything in a certain order and wrap it up and get that load over to the rail yard and I got to do all that correctly and uh oh and by the way I have to like make sure all of this is done and all of that is done and like I'm always so busy At the end of my 14-hour shift, I'm exhausted, you know, and I sleep for maybe five or six hours. And I am like that until I get my first day off and then I sleep so much. And then I wake up for a little bit and I sleep some more. And I sleep the second day and I'm just like exhausted. 
and I could sleep for a long time because I've worked myself to death. But then I get over that, and then I'm, it's like last night, I think I slept for like four hours, maybe. And, uh, I wouldn't even break my heart if I was just crazy. And all of the experiences that I have had are delusions of the mind. It wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. And I think if I ever was a prophet, sometimes I feel like a fallen one. You know, I don't even read the revelations that God has given me anymore. I'm just like, whatever, I don't care anymore. And I was thinking the other day about how, like, I should be grateful because he has led me through so many things. He's fed me when I had no money and had no way to get money. You know, he's clothed me. He has given me furniture and a place to live when I was on the street. Like, miracle after miracle, I've seen these things happen, but... And I should be extremely grateful, and I should be. And it's not that I'm not, it's just that I don't care. I'm tired of the struggles and the hardships that I've had, and I'm tired of working so much and not having any money. Like, we just went out and got a couple things yesterday, and it was like a hundred or $92 for nothing. The inflation of our money, the hyperinflation, and like, I, I see all these things and I'm like, this they're doing this on purpose. And like, there's nothing I can do about it. You know? I don't know what any of us can do about it. Anyway... I really do need to get going. I'm sorry for ranting and for whatever, but I'm just like, I'm just so done. And I, I'll keep going, but I'm done. Oh, I was done years ago, so. <laughs> I hope that you guys are not having the kind of issues that I'm having. But thank you for listening to the program anyway. So take care, everyone. Hopefully God bless. And uh, I'll come back home later with a different program. Thanks for listening. Bye.